And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, tough ball game tonight. Um, you know, I obviously feel for our players. Um, you know, division game. You know, it's some tough, tough condition playing conditions. That obviously, both teams battled. You know, priority on taking care of the football tonight <coughs> and taking it away. You know, I thought our defense really, really stepped up big time in that area. Uh, obviously, there are turnovers. You know. You know, cost us, um, and then we had the big, the big play there that kind of changed the game there in the fourth quarter. But a lot of improvement uh, in a number of areas, so uh, we're definitely moving in the right direction as far as play style and some of the things we're focused on. Um, but you know, we need to we need to rally and and get together here and and move on for Pittsburgh. But uh, just a tough ball game. Only thing I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them, Cowboys, indeed. Well, the defense showed signs of life, showed a heartbeat against some semblance of what was called the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday, while the offense flatlined in Philadelphia as the Cowboys lose another one. This time, a division game, falling even further behind, and we're going to have to talk about it all here on About Them Cowboys. Welcome in. I'm Kent Garrison, producing... As always, welcoming in our panel, who are the best of the best when it comes to covering all things America's team. So, I hope you're already a member of The Athletic. And if you're not, head on over to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. Sign up for a dollar. Yep, that's a dollar at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. So do that right now and get on it. But let's welcome in our panel. First from The Athletic, Father John Mishota, and from The Athletic, Saad Youssef. And from the Ben and Skin Show, KT. And KT, I want to steal a quote from your co-host, Ben Rogers. And I saw him tweet this last night. I thought it was funny. He said, watching that game last night was like watching a dog eat its own turd. <laughs> and I was like, that, that's a pretty apt description of this entire Cowboys, <laughs> Cowboys uh, experiment right now. I would, uh, I would respectfully disagree, though, because I thought last night was pretty fun. If you think about all the chaos that went into that thing. Well, compared to uh, me, yeah. <laughs> just the, um, I think it's been funny how many times people have tweeted out the Uncle Rico meme. Um, one talking about the delivery of some of the side throws, from, sidearm throws from Ben DiNucci. And I got to tell you, man, the, the 59-yard field goal in the first half looked like one of um, my other co-host Skin's tee uh, shots. When he plays golf, just, uh, you know, kind of doesn't get high up in the air and just kind of going off to the right real far. So, like, uh, I actually thought that game was a lot of fun, even though it was I comparatively. I'm comparing it to the last two games. And the last two games, to me, was like a dog eating it. It's, its own turd. I can't handle football when it's not competitive. I don't have a lot of interest in watching games that aren't even somewhat close. Uh, and, and that thing, the fact that it stayed close and – the defense actually had a little fire in them. You know that was that was good You're to see. You're I mean, saying twenty-three to nine was close. I'm saying, I mean, I view it as fifteen to nine, 
and a bad call by the ref, and maybe we'll see what the defense can do there. I still didn't think they were going to win or anything like that, but like you know, I view to me that twenty three to nine that last touchdown shouldn't have counted. Now maybe they end up scoring anyways, right? But to me that was a terrible, terrible officiating job because in New York they were clearly done with the game. They're like they we've uh, powers out. Just leave whatever was called on the field. We've gone home. We we didn't stay and watch us either. Um, so yeah, and I, I I had more fun watching this game than the last two weeks. Would you guys agree? Well, that's Absolutely. a real that's a really high bar, KT. Um, <laughs> I know, right? This game was only fun to watch if it's like week 15, 16, 17. This is not fun to watch in the middle of the season because then you have eight more of these to go. So nothing about last night was fun. Um, I have to disagree with you there. Um, the Eagles are awful. Okay, so let that oh be your God. baseline for all discussions. Um, I'm convinced that the only reason this game was even somewhat close, even at the point when that was 15 to 9, is because I feel like the Eagles went into this game as like, this Cowboys defense is awful. We'll be able to get something whenever we need it. So know what we need to use this game for is a confidence builder for Carson Wentz. And obviously it wasn't because he's not good. I mean, the, the biggest positive you can take away from this if you're a Cowboys fan is that you unquestionably have the best quarterback in the division, and that's even if Dak Prescott doesn't come all the way back from his injury and is maybe a little bit uh, limited with the ankle. And I don't think that'll be the case, but even if that happened, he's still clearly the best quarterback in this in this division. Um, but I, I just I, I, I really felt like they could have ran the ball with Boston Scott from the beginning and went in that game and been like, hey, let's just establish the run. This team cannot stop the run at all. And let's just get out of here with it with a nice easy win. We're gonna we're gonna give you 25, 30 carries and it'll be over with. And they were like, nope, nope, let's let Carson Wentz get outside the pocket and wing it and make a ton of bad decisions. And maybe he'll get his confidence going and we can roll this going forward. Cause no matter what, we're gonna win this game. Even when it was 15 to 9, they were driving. I think the Cowboys got down to the Eagles 20, 25, something like that, before the the fumble that was returned back for that final touchdown. I still didn't think the Cowboys were going to score a touchdown there. Just Ben DiNucci, I felt like was just too limited to be able to to make enough of the throws consecutively for them to score a touchdown against the Eagles defense, which I believe is their strength. And so, yeah, there were, I mean, you knew right from the beginning with how many trick plays they were running, you knew what they had in Ben DiNucci. Hey, this is a seventh round pick. There's only so much of the playbook he has. He's been really been running scout team stuff. You know, that we're going to be doing Wildcat. We're going to be lining him up out wide, things like that. So it's cute and it's fun and everything. Again, if it's week 16 or 17, middle of the season, it just, I don't know. I I don't know if I I can, I can handle that for watching that every, every week for the next eight games. I will say this, the thing about Ben DiNucci that, that really kind of stood out to me. And I don't, I, I don't think this is a, I don't I don't think this is a compliment but man he is not fundamentally sound. I mean, I'm not even just talking about like the sidearm throws. I'm talking about like, you know, if you just watch like we watch quarterback play at nauseum every year and or every week and you see like, you know, how you're supposed to follow through on the back foot and all this kind of stuff and like like John said, Ben DiNucci just like and I'm not even hating on the guy. I'm just saying it's pretty impressive that he was able to go out there and even survive given given what his uh, limits are because he does not look like he's ready for that right now. And so, um, you know, I think there were some exciting parts to the game, but I think the the biggest thing that, that I got out of it was exactly what John 
what what John said is that the Cowboys have the best quarterback in the division. Carson Wentz, not only is he not the best quarterback, I'm not sure he's good at football. So I like I mean th- that decision uh, to hold the ball there uh, when when he got strip sacked early on, or I think it was like the first drive. That was one of the worst football plays I've seen in my life. One, one thing I want to add on the sidearm thing, and there was a lot of talk about that, and maybe just because we've gotten an opportunity to see a little bit more of him with, with training camp and things like that. Uh, let me clear something up real quick here. Any comparison to the Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford dropping down the arm angle? No, no, no. <laughs> Those guys do that as in an adjustment on their throws. He throws like that. That's how Ben DiNucci throws. Like now, the one on the sideline where he completely leaned to the side and threw it like a sidearm pitcher. That's not it. But his throwing yeah. motion is generally more off to the side like that. That's kind of what he does. I found it kind of interesting that that was like this storyline throughout the game. And I get it. You know, they didn't. How, how many times has anybody seen him play? So, uh, but no, that's just that's his style and that. And so, I'm, I mean. I kind of went into this game as like, yeah, it was going to be funny, like the memes and storylines and, and everything like that with him playing and like, oh, if he plays well, then this should be their quarterback for the rest of the season. I was looking at more along the lines of, let's see what this kid has. Could this potentially be Dak's backup next season? Because obviously Andy Dalton's only around for one more year. And I came out of that game thinking I'm, I would have to see a lot more from Ben DiNucci for me to be comfortable going into next season with him as Dak Prescott's backup. Do they have a chance to win that game last night if Andy Dalton's your quarterback? Yes, absolutely they do. Um, so then is that a reason to let, like, we're going back to Andy as soon as he's healthy and still, you know, looking at the standings, still try to, you know, win games? Yeah, I don't <laughs> – that is funny, try to win games. No, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I think I know, that, right? that I think that is the plan is just here's – the, here's the deal. If you're going to go in completely tank mode, then you're not just sitting Andy Dalton – you're sitting Zach Martin, you're sitting Amari Cooper, you're sitting Ezekiel Elliott. So as long as these other guys are going to be on the field, you owe it to them to put Andy Dalton out there to at least give them a chance. I mean, I think about this all the time when I watch the Cowboys. They have three number one capable caliber, whatever you want to say, wide receivers. There's a lot of them running down the field for almost no reason at all because they know they're not going to get the ball. And so if you want to keep all of that interesting and have a chance, then you have to keep Andy Dalton in there. And I thought it was interesting uh, on Friday when when Stephen Jones was asked on 105.3, the fan, if what if Ben DiNucci comes out and just, you know, kind of lights it up, then do you go with him going forward or does Andy automatically get the job back? And he wasn't going to really feed into that, but he made it very clear that Andy was going to get the job back. And almost now looking back on that, I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, that's because he's seen what goes on in practice. He knows that this is just like a novelty thing, that there's no way that they're going to go the rest of the season with this if they have any plans of playing all of their starters and trying to win games. So, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that you play Andy Dalton the rest of the year. And, and I again, I don't think they're going to win many games, but I think that you're just going to be quite a bit more competitive with him out there. And, and really... I think Andy Dalton would have looked better in the previous game if you just would have had Zach Martin there. I know it's only one player, but one player, one piece into that grand scheme of that offensive line can help settle a lot of other things and help other guys around him play better. Um, my one thing real quick on Zach Martin is I just, maybe he doesn't want to play right tackle, but I just don't know how the best combination, that's what they always talk about. Coaches always say that when we're trying to put our best five out there, best combination. I don't know how their best combination doesn't include Zach Martin playing right tackle. Yeah, I think I agree with that. But what, real quick, back to the Andy Dalton thing for a second. Uh, one thing I will say is, you know, it's fine for you know fans and people in the media or whatever to say to talk about tanking. 
I don't think that you can tank if you're if you're Mike McCarthy or the Cowboys because that sends a pretty awful message right there in your first year. You, that you're you're risking losing guys like uh, young guys like C.D. Lamb, who all they know how, what to how to do is win. Um, I think you have to be organically bad and just hope that you know you can land a top five pick that way, which you're capable of doing that. You're capable of being that bad of a football team, but you can't actively go into tank mode and try to lose. I go back to a few years ago when I was covering the Mavericks, the the year before Luca was drafted. I remember asking Seth Curry and guys like that about like, you know, um, you know, should they tank? Should the team tank? And they they were so offended by the question. And, you know, I, I kind of understand that when you're a young guy, you can't lay down that culture, especially Mike McCarthy in your first year. I don't think that I understand why fans and media and people like that talk about it. I don't think the Cowboys can actively tank. Uh, but like John said, they're bad enough to lose football games organically. I want t-shirts made right now. 2020 Dallas Cowboys organically bad. I love that. Well, we're we're bad enough to not tank. It's so good. You know, it is though. Like when the tanking conversation comes up, people don't think about coaches who have jobs, medical staff who has jobs, uh, people who work for the team who have jobs who could get blown out if a new regime came in or, or things like that. Players fighting for their own deals, contracts, all that type of stuff, all that stuff matters. So I mean, I, I was—I'm not advocating for them to tank yet. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there soon. Um, I like to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs first before I start my tanking. Uh, and I just think tanking has this like real sour, sour smell across the locker room, which might have already been there in the first place. But last night it was. Very nice to see them fight. And look, hey, Carson Wentz is going to make you look a lot better sometimes. I've been saying this for years. To me, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson are two of the most overrated figures in sports. And I know a lot of people go, oh, well, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. with a Well, so did Mike McCarthy. I mean, that's one thing that happened. Um, but I think what I'd say about <laughs> Doug Peterson, <laughs> I'd say about Doug Peterson, though, is like, I mean, about Carson Wentz is I think people in his early years, like the durability, obviously a problem. In his early years, he made enough plays with his legs and he has enough highlight reel plays to kind of suck you in and make you go, man, this guy's, man, no one's making that throw. And then you really watch him closely over a long period of time with a bad offensive line. And I will give him that. A bad offensive line. You go, good God, his decision making is horrendous. And I'm talking about not even last night's game. A couple weeks ago against the Giants, he was making some throws. I'm like, why are you throwing that? I don't understand. It's a one-score game. You don't have to make that throw. So, like, to me, Carson Wentz, like, it's funny that, like, we're, I feels like under two years removed from Dak versus Goff versus Wentz discussions. And if you really watch them closely, it's real easy to go, I feel like we have the best one. But that's neither here nor there, unless it is um, for you guys. I, I don't know, but I, I would say that if we're gonna run the if we're if you're gonna run Andy Dalton out there, look, you have Pittsburgh's defense coming in next week. But like to me, I, I, Amari Cooper one catch. They tried to get C.D. Lamb going. It felt like the only real pass play that was gonna work was when Avante Maddox was ten yards off Michael Gallup, and we're just gonna sling it out to the side real quick. Like, they didn't have the ability to throw the ball down the field. 
then maybe you don't have that this year because the offensive line is, is jacked up. I like the idea, though, of not having Terrence Steele in an NFL game this year. Like, that just doesn't need to happen anymore. So you're right. Real I mean, quick, if it's real a, quick, Casey, I'm going to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this one on that real quick. Is there a possibility <laughs> that we look back on this in like a year or two and Terrence Steele is their starting right? Oh, well, yeah, right tackle. Let's say they move Lyle to left or something like that. Let's say my whole thing on this is, and again, you got to see Mike McCarthy and what he was able to do in Green Bay a lot more. And I think that particularly with the Cowboys offensive line over the last decade, we automatically assume that to get the starters, you're going to have to spend premium picks on it. What do you think? <laughs> I shouldn't even say, do you think what if there's a chance that one of these, like the Brandon Knights or Terrence Steele's prevent them from spending that premium pick on another offensive tackle? Do you think that there could be a payoff down the road is what I'm asking you? Uh, I mean, I would say no on Terrence Steele. I, I've got a little more hope in Brandon Knight. Um, and I know Brandon Knight's last outing was not good, but was, I don't know if I think he had put together a few good games before that last game to make you at least go, okay, there's something there. I guess my question, it goes back to, A, what you mentioned, does Zach Martin just like saying, guys, look, F it, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm playing guard, which I don't know. Who could know? B, what does this tell you about Connor McGovern, a third-round pick, a top 100 premium pick? What does it tell you about him? Like, because that's, that's the guy who's left out, right? Well, I mean, it depends on Zach. It, it depends on Zach Martin, right? Because if Zach Martin says that he he's not going out to play tackle, there's nothing really Connor McGovern can do. I mean, Connor McGovern can't play tackle. He's he's going to play guard. So if if Zach is Zach is saying he's not going out to tackle, it's it's really you know th- then I think McGovern is a little vindicated. But if if the reason why they won't put Zach Martin out to tackle is because of how bad Connor McGovern is then that's a different story. Yeah, and that's what I would say here, too. Everyone's fighting for their life here, right? If Zach Martin doesn't want to go play right tackle, and I'm not saying he does again, these are hypothetical conversations. We don't know, right? But if Zach Martin doesn't want to go play right tackle, if I'm head coach Mike McCarthy, I say, well, look, Zach, I need you to play right tackle. We are a worse team. Like, that, that's just a conversation that has to be had. Like, I'm sorry. So I mean I don't want to go too far down this road about conversations that we don't know have happened or not. But no, the I reason really, I no no I, the he reason can be I, your best player on your team and Zach Martin is your best player on your team. I still can't have a guy having a decision that's about himself. Yeah, no. The only reason I'm bringing that up is because that's the one thing that Mike always talks about is you know developing these young guys and and how he likes to you know get these young guys more playing time, both sides of the ball. And I'm just thinking like maybe that's their their long play that they are never going to admit that they're out of it. But, hey, as bad as this season was, maybe we just have this really horrid 2020. We get a top draft pick, you know, in every round. We can turn this thing around real quick. And in the process, we develop one of these tackles to be, if not a starter, at least our swing tackle of the future or something. Because I just look at this team and I look at offensive tackle and there's just some worries there on, on how yeah. how stable you thought it was, you know, just a few months ago, really, 
uh, to where you are now to where, you know, there are people that like I put out a question yesterday during the game because it was getting out of hand and it was just like, what do you want the Cowboys to do with their top five pick? Uh, assuming they get a top five pick, they look like they're headed that direction. And there's a lot of people that set offensive tackle, you know, and, and that is a spot that if they're, you know, if there's a Tyron Smith in, in this draft, that's a spot where you would take an offensive tackle. And I just am thinking, man, there's just so many needs on defense. Would you really be willing to go offensive tackle that early with a guy that, hey, let's be honest, even Tyron Smith in his rookie year, you look at some of these rookie tackles this year in the NFL that were high picks, like that doesn't mean year one they're coming in there and you're plugging them in and here we go. Like it takes time to develop even the top ones. Yeah, I also say this too. Ben DiNucci was drafted in last year's draft. Terrence Steele was not. Like, I'm not, I don't know, like that, that may, maybe that doesn't mean anything. Terrence Steele, I watched his college tape. It was not good. <laughs> like, I don't have, he's probably a sweet kid. I like don't you don't think he should be on the team at all? Like that bad? No. <laughs> no. What does that say about Greg Sanat? Probably not good for old Greg either. Uh, at least I do. At least I remember watching Terrence's college tape, though, um, because I mean Terrence still obviously was a Senior Bowl guy, so he, like he had that in him. But like, I don't know. I I, I had an undrafted free agent grade on him. <laughs> it was not. He doesn't move well. He doesn't move well enough to play that position. I don't know what. I, I wish he did. He's not ready to play now. And if you want to keep him in the pipeline. But that doesn't mean you got to put him on the field. And I know you're you're low on options here. And that's, to me, again, where I go back to Connor McGovern and the whole idea of, hey, Zach, man, we really need you to play tackle. It's just a move that should have been made. And it's a move that I think, quite frankly, uh, if you're trying to – if you're desperate, you know, and you're trying to win games, I, the conversation has been had between McCarthy and Zach. I'm sure it has. Or Joe uh, Philbin Let me just say, Zach, from watching you – know, from what I've seen at practice, without getting into any specifics, I believe that if, let's say, for example, Terrence Steele would have went down in that game, I think Sanat comes in to play tackle. And Connor McGovern sits over there drinking milk. Like, this happens all the time. Why can't he be a part of the team? I don't understand. I, maybe it's, like you said earlier, maybe it's more that Zach doesn't want to go out to tackle. Oh. Gosh, I will say so with Fletcher, bad, with, Fletcher so Cox, with Fletcher Cox, you probably want your better offensive lineman sure. on the interior. That's that I will say that for this particular matchup. But mm, man, some of those edge rushers in Pittsburgh, I don't know if that's your best bet. <laughs> no, no, you're you're right, dude. And dude, these are these are not like premium, really expensive band-aids we have here. We've got the cheap Dollar General store band-aids. When you're moving Zach Martin to right tackle. And McGovern's coming in. That doesn't fix everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't. We're just talking about things to help. And if that gives uh, the Nooch a half a second more to throw last night, then, you know, that's good. I thought there's a great remark made by uh, Chris Collinsworth at the end of that game where he was, they're kind of zooming in on uh, Danucci, who, by the way, is a little like, I, I, I guess I thought he was going to be a little taller than that. He's also kind of short, too. I didn't realize that. Um, but Collinsworth goes, in the NFL, he goes, until you've experienced it, you have to know when to get rid of the ball. Until you've experienced one, two, get rid of it, you just don't know. And that was a learning experience for him last night. Uh, it's a shame, though, because that team could have won that game with Dalton, I believe. And, you know, I, I don't know that Dalton had shown us a lot, but at least it, it felt like, hey, man, you beat the Eagles and then – 
At least we're talking about fun stuff like being ahead of the division while also knowing like, well, if this defense can play a little better, Pittsburgh's probably going to get us, but a bye week and then we'll, you know, we will play Washington again and we'll get the Giants again. And you're at least like kind of carving out an idea of some, some way to possibly get the six wins and win the division. Well, I'll <laughs> like, give you one other, I'll give you sucks. one other positive. I'll give you one other positive from this game. And, and you guys jump in and, and tell me if I'm an idiot about this, but like, and again, I haven't got a chance to watch a game back. I'm just going off of watching it real quick yesterday. Like, how how much more open is this Eagles window? Like, I look at their team and I'm just like, like, there. I just look at them as kind of a team. Like, of, go- of course they won a Super Bowl, so you'll take that over anything, um, that opportunity. But I just feel like they're just kind of in like a, a mode where they're going to be right around like seven, eight yeah. wins. Like they're like. Brandon Graham's not getting any younger. You know, uh, uh, Fletcher Cox's not getting any younger. Carson Wentz doesn't look like he can really even play football. Uh, the running back situation, I, I know Miles Sanders when he comes back, okay, I don't know like if that's really like just scaring you. Like, they have Lane Johnson. Obviously, he didn't play in this game. But, like, I don't know. Like, I just look at their team, and I'm like, like, Washington's team seems more talented going forward than this Eagles team. Like, this Eagles team looks like it's going to kind of – be in the middle, and then it's going to have to fall off to rebuild up the roster. Like, I don't know how they're just going to keep it rolling. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I bring them up because I, I believe they're going to win the division. It'll be the first time that a franchise has won this division in back-to-back years since 2004, I believe. Uh, and I just, I look at them, and I'm just kind of like, they're the class of the division right now, but, like, how much longer does that last for? I don't know. What did you guys Yeah, because that? also, like, remember, this was an Eagles team that got reinforcements in this game. Dallas Goddard came back. Jalen Rager came back. I mean, this was, this was I'm not saying they're at, they're at full strength. Obviously, the offensive line is banged up and things like that, but this was supposed to be the best version of the Eagles that we've seen in weeks because, they were finally getting some help back on offense, and and I, I think you're right, John. And 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 really, it starts with the quarterback position. And if Carson Wentz is going to look like that, I think for a few weeks, Carson Wentz got the pass of saying that you know what, he's trying to do everything. He's trying to he's trying to make the big play every single time that he's out there. But you didn't have to do that against the Cowboys. And to be quite honest with you, it's pretty easy to play against the Cowboys defense. From a schematic standpoint, look, you run the ball, you try to get a matchup on Jalen Smith or or whatever, and and you try to and you try to throw it at him. And so, you know, I, I don't think it was very it was terribly difficult of a game plan, and for them to still not be able to execute it well, uh, I, I I don't think that the Eagles are really going to really last in this division much longer. Yeah, no, they they lost in week one to Washington, and and really they should have lost to the Giants. I mean, Evan Ingram catches that pass, they lose. Uh, so like, you know, and you may, maybe let's say uh, let's say let's say Andy Dalton plays last night and the Cowboys win, and let's say Evan Ingram catches that pass, you know, they'd be zero and three against the division. So uh, it does look like just because they will probably. And man, we're talking about how bad he's been. They probably have the most competent quarterback playing in the division um, because Daniel Jones is not, you know, taking that offense to new heights right now in New York. And then Kyle Allen's been, you know, decent in Washington, and he'll keep them in games. But you know, Carson, when he is on, can be a good player. We've seen it before, but it's just not consistent at all. Um, and I'm glad, uh, you know, Saad, you mentioned Jalen. I want to transition. Let's talk about the defense for a little bit here. Uh, I, I really thought 
you know, we, we kind of talked about it on our previous podcast, which Jane Slater from the NFL Network was our guest talking, and she was like, I really think there's going to be a, you know, a little more fire, competitive nature out of this team. And she was right, man. And look, maybe it's just the help, the bonus of here is an early turnover. You know, when Donovan Wilson hit, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, maybe it's the bonus of playing against a bad offensive line or a team that did have a lot of weapons. But either way, I, I'm kind of looking for anything when it comes to this defense, and I'll take the effort I got last night out of them. Oh yeah, no, I, I agree with you. No, absolutely. Sorry, I was reading something. <laughs> um, I would, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. I'd say the biggest positive is that this this team has had a uh, difficult time getting a lot out of their high draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. And to see Trayvon Diggs play the way that he's played, um, and that's how it is at the cornerback position. I mean, I'll just compare him to the guy I know very well on, on the Eagles, and that's Darius Slay just from his time in Detroit. Mm-hmm. To be a shutdown corner like that doesn't mean that teams are just like, oh, we can't throw over there. No, a lot of times it means they're going to challenge you. Darius Slay's been challenged this year, um, and he doesn't have an interception yet, but that doesn't mean teams just completely shy away from him. And obviously he's one of the highest paid corners in the league. So um, you guys might disagree with this. I know there's plenty of Cowboys fans that probably will. Me personally, I prefer the Trayvon Diggs corner over the Byron Jones corner. I, I, I know he's going to give up some plays, but I like the guy that can make the plays too. And obviously I like it more on, on the dollar amount that he's being paid compared to, I just been a lot of talk lately about how that Tyron Jones, I mean, Byron Jones should have been uh, re-signed and they shouldn't have spent the money in other places. And, and obviously in hindsight, that seems painfully obvious. Okay. I get that. But also at the same time, like there weren't really the takeaways there. And I like a corner that can take the ball away. I feel like it's been forever since you've seen one in Dallas. Maybe we got to go back to Terrence Newman, to be honest with you. So it's just refreshing to see that. And then also, Demarcus Lawrence looked about as healthy as we've seen him in a while. He was flying around. Randy Gregory looked really fresh. That's a positive. Alden Smith, I thought I'd see more out of it, and and that was a little disappointing. Um, Leighton Vander Esch looked looked good, Um, obviously, in that blitz to to force the fumble on on Carson Wentz. That looked nice. Um, It looks like... He's ramping back up to where he was a couple years ago. Obviously, it's going to take him time coming back from another injury. But th- there are some pieces there, but you got to have a good draft. I mean, this next draft, I mean, you got to get, I feel like, at least two solid starters that are other foundation pieces for this draft going forward. And if they're able to do that, then I <laughs> this is, I've, I apologize, Cowboys fans, but I almost think the season's worth it because I don't know how else you're going to add solid defensive talent because clearly you've shown you can't do it in free agency. So, you're going to have to suffer through a painful season and the end off payoff could be that you finally get a defense that is at least middle of the pack, upper, upper echelon to go with an offense. It appears that it's going to be one of the better ones uh, in, in the league for, for ways to go. So yeah, it's, it's, there were positive signs there, but I can't just, I'm not going to praise them too much off of one game against the yeah. Eagles team. I don't like completely think is really that good anyway I need to see this from week to week and really it's not even about the plays as much as just I need to see that kind of effort every week yeah and also on the unit on the unit part like you know John mentioned some of the individual players I'll just say it like this the run defense continues to be absolute crap the pass defense (laughs) is what really improved like I think the pass defense whether you want to factor in the pass rush which like John mentioned Randy Gregory Demarcus Lawrence those guys look good, and, and and the backside as well with Trayvon Diggs. Um, I thought Xavier Woods seemed to be a little bit more, you know, on, on assignment. He was where he was supposed to be. Uh, like like when when Philadelphia tried that uh, reverse Philly special type thing, Xavier Woods was able to sniff it out 
and, and get back to Carson Wentz. I, I think the pass defense improved, but the run defense was still awful. Like, I mean, my entire time, my entire Twitter timeline was just a bunch of media people just wondering why Philadelphia is not running the ball more because that's really all they needed to do if they just kept running the ball. Oh, now, look, they, they shorted up, the Cowboys shorted up a little bit in the second half, um, and, and that, that certainly, you know, give them credit for that. But overall, I think, you know, you had the pass defense, you had the run defense. One was, one was much improved, one still just left way too much to be desired. Boston Scott still running through holes like it's just, it's just practice. And KT, yeah, is this uh, the worst defensive tackles you think Mike McCarthy's had um, on, a, on a team he's coached? Yeah, I would say so. If I'm off the top of my head, yes. Now, he had obviously a lot of people remember many years with with uh, BJ Raji. He's a part of the you know um, the organization with with a drafted Kenny Clark in the first round. A little bit of a lull in between there. I'm trying to feel they were kind of filling in gaps, but they had some guys who could who could stop the run just a little bit, but nothing like to the point that you think that the, that would be something that he wouldn't he would be fine drafting yes, rather high not, in this draft. Okay. He would value that absolutely, um, and I think that I think this new scheme would value that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, remember the old Marinelli scheme or the Monty Kiffin scheme or whatever you want to call it. We'd always talk about the two defensive tackles, the one tech and the three technique. The three technique kind of being a featured piece of the defense, and the one technique being a position that you don't invest in. I, I think they would invest. I, I think I could see them investing too. Uh, draft picks on, just, on that area, but I just after safety, on. I just think of it's a, another position that they just don't really put a lot of resources yeah. in, and and it makes me wonder. Okay, with his with his background, he obviously has a say. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that like I've heard some people take shots at the front office because of these free agents not working out. Like, yeah, guys, Mike had say in that for those free agents. That's <laughs> I know everyone likes to think that Jerry just you know throws darts in his office and just picks up whatever players he wants because he thinks that they're going to sell tickets because they're names. No, he is, if anything, to a fault, they almost lean on their coaches and they have for a long time throughout Jason Garrett's tenure as well on what they want. So I'm thinking that because of the holes that they have in defensive tackle, I'm wondering if this is a this is a, a, a new regime that's going to value that position a little bit more than maybe previously. Absolutely. You no, know, it's, and to me, they're, what's happening for them at defensive tackle is not all on them. You obviously were planning on Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe to right. work out. When Tristan Hill gets hurt, Tristan Hill was put, had put together a few good games. So you're seeing a little something there. Neville Gallimore, I, uh, you know, to get him in the third round, he is was always a developmental guy. Neville Gallimore was not some guy that got drafted and was going to be a guy that immediately made some huge impact. Um, he was going to be a guy who you kind of wanted to give him a year to put on a little – uh, a little more strength on the inside, a little more muscle, and maybe a little more weight on the inside. Like that was something that he always needed. But he got drafted because of his quickness and his ability to, to win in one on one situations and things like that. Once he gets stronger and if he doesn't lose any of that quickness, I think Gallimore's going to be a good defensive tackle. So I, I don't think it's a, a, that dire. You know, I, where it gets dire to me is you've paid money on, on Jalen, and Jalen is to me one of, if not your worst player on defense. And I know that's that might sound harsh, but like there are just too many plays where he is running himself out of plays, or he's going the wrong way. Like that is just not he's not reading plays. And teams that do have a lot of motion, and the Eagles do use a lot of motion, like teams that do that are not good for him. <laughs> it's just hey, his there's eyes a sound bite. all over the backfield. He doesn't know where he's at. There's a soundbite from that 
Bears game last year when when they were just targeting him, and he like asked the ref, he's like, "Why they keep Why they keep trying me? Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't they keep trying you? Like I honestly like I think about that every time I watch them play defense. Like I like kind of like what Saad was saying. Everybody on Twitter talking about you know they, why aren't you running against this team? I feel like because we watch him every week, it's like. Hey, opposing coaches, do you want to give me a call? I'll tell you what to do against this defense. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down to you. It's going to be real easy. Like, you guys don't save the time pouring over tape. Spend that time with your families, okay? I'll tell you exactly what to do here. And, and one of the key things is really target 54 in the pass game. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I, 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 what is, I, I'm not, I swear to God I'm not being a uh, look at my tweet guy, but I had a tweet last night that kind of Everybody was, go look at it. <laughs> my best description, or at least the my description so far of what watching Jalen Smith has been like. Jalen Smith, every play watching Jalen Smith is like he's on a bucking bull for eight seconds. And I just feel like he's just kind of out of control. He's not all over the place. And they're just tricking him with their eyes at all times. And it sucks, man. It's, I, I don't know how to fix that. I, I don't I, that, That's something that he had, too. One of his best traits coming out of college before the knee injury happened, was his instincts. Stepping the right way, moving towards, and now it's just so much, it's just so much wrong with his performance every week. And I do not want to be uh, mean or unfair to him, but it's just, I really tried to focus in on it last night while watching it. It's like, okay, yeah, oh, yep, nope, he went the wrong way again. Like, that just can't happen. And especially when offensive linemen are getting through your defensive tackles and climbing up to the second level. You know, you're making it tough. You know, I thought Van Der Esch was pretty good last night, but he's got so much to, you know, to he's got so much slack he's got to pick up. Because uh, Jalen's just trying to make a lot of plays on his own. And I think we need to prepare for that to be what reality is. I, I, I don't think this changes, guys. Yeah, I don't think the Jalen Smith thing changes, but I do think that, I, I do think that Leighton, you know, we'll see what happens with Sean Lee. I, you know, I, I think, again, he got a little banged up again. But um, I would like to see Sean Lee and Leighton try to kind of, you know, hold down the fort there at linebacker and see how it works. Because I, I agree with you, KT. Um, I do think Leighton gets, a, gets a, l- a little bit end of the short end of the stick because um, it, it's tough when, when, you know, you're having to cover for, for, cover for someone else's assignment and, uh, and it kind of takes a toll on your own stuff as well. So I do think Jalen, the biggest thing with Jalen for me is when I was watching him yesterday is that he gets pulled in to the action where, where it's just like, you know, you're not supposed, you're supposed to fill gaps and do these things. And there are certain gaps. There was a run that Boston Scott had all the way to the left side, right through, right through the hole where Jalen was supposed to be. And Jalen, for whatever reason, was right on the nose tackle's butt. And I was like, dude, you're like, I mean, I'm watching this in real time and I can see where you're supposed to be. I don't understand how he doesn't identify those quicker. But, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit more of Sean Lee when, when you know, if he's going to be uh, kind of healthy and see if he can, you know, bring the best out of Leighton as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Guys, I'm going to ask you a question here that's going to take some thought, maybe. Maybe it'll be easy for you. But I want you each to answer, and I guess I will too. Um, If you had to guarantee for me right now, guarantee, no, ah, maybe, guarantee, Name the defensive players on this current team that will be starters next year on the Cowboys defense. So for me, I'm going to start with Demarcus Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs, Leighton Vander Esch, and I'm probably done. Start, You're talking about for next year? That will be starting next year. I'm not saying that there won't be others. Those are the only ones that I guarantee you will be starting next year. Oh, they'll start Jalen. Jalen can do whatever he wants, dude. I'm just. I don't know about that anymore. I'm not being a. I I don't know. I would go with Trayvon Layton, Demarcus Lawrence, and I'll I'll go ahead and say I think Randy Gregory is going to be a starter next year. Yeah, he's he was on the bubble for me, and it's only because I don't know a hundred percent on the Alden Smith thing. You know, you see yeah. that report over the weekend that Ian Rapport had about the the Seahawks, uh, you know, acquire well at least wanting to see what the interest would be from the Cowboys on a potential trade there. And if you have no interest in keeping Alden Smith beyond this season, obviously only under on a one year deal, why wouldn't you trade him and get what you can right now? But for them not even to have any interest in that it makes me think, well. Alden Smith might be part of their future, and if he is, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just think that that's up for debate on who would start between him and, and Randy. So that's the only reason why I didn't say that. But I think those are both good pieces there. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, if you had to guarantee starters on that defense next year, my, my guess on that, John, is that Seattle was not offering. Let's say Seattle was offering a five, 
Yeah. And the Cowboys okay. are like, okay, we think we could get a fourth back for him as a comp pick. Like that's my that's my thought on that. But yeah. otherwise, you should be listening on guys like Alden Smith. And by the way, Alden Smith was not good last night. Uh, yeah. At least I didn't think he was good last no, night. No, no, he wasn't. Um, and that's where I kind of get start to worry about him. Like, okay, we talk about his first month, but we're talking about a guy who's been out of football for five years. Is he going to start to have a bad second half? You know, as he just hasn't taken on that type of. Uh, this, this this becomes more of an endurance test this football season would for someone like him. I just wonder if his performance drops off, which is fine. I want it. I want to see Randy Gregory get forty snaps a game. I, I think that they need to see that. If Sean Lee can play, I like that. I mean, Sean Lee obviously didn't get a lot of snaps last night, as Sod mentioned, got banged up again. But like, you know, if Sean Lee can play twenty snaps, let's let's go ahead and see it. You know. Um, that's a guy. What about on the back end? What about on the back end? Find me some starters back there next year. Who do you, who on this defense in that back end do you think could still be starting next year? I don't know if he can cover, but Donovan Wilson will at least come up and tackle, and I do like that about him. But I, I, I don't I don't think he's a starting safety quality. So yeah, I think we're looking at. I think Anthony Brown has a chance to be your starting cornerback, one of your starting cornerbacks, and I think, uh, yeah, Trevon Diggs. I, I wish I had more for you, but I don't, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. And I really think that because they were able to have the success finding digs, I think they're going to they're gonna use another relatively high pick on another corner. And I, I think there's a decent chance that that player, Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs, are your starting corners. If Reggie Robinson comes along, maybe, maybe he gets mm-hmm. a chance to play at safety. Donovan Wilson's a good one there. But just like, you know, the reason I bring it up on the back end is because you have Xavier Woods, Jordan Lewis and Cheeto all coming up on contracts. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously if there's a, you know, no one is really showing them much interest and they're willing to come back on a bargain, anything's possible there. But like, would anybody be surprised if they don't bring back any of them? I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, if you, if one of those guys wanted to come back on the Anthony Brown cheap contract though, you know, we could talk about that. Um, I would probably lean, uh, lean more towards, Xavier, then Jordan, then Cheeto in that order, I think would be my order on that. Uh, although I'd like to see more Cheeto. I would like to get a, a better feel for what Cheeto is. Yeah. Uh, we just haven't, haven't just got to, gotten to see that yet. But, but it's crazy effort, that we saw, it's crazy that we saw Trayvon Diggs get two interceptions in one game where two interceptions four out of the last five years was like the team lead at the end, the end of the season, you know, to <laughs> actually say, and, and you know, what was really wild too, was just really after the game, Sean Lee's, take on um on Trayvon Diggs I don't have the exact quote in front of me it's in the article I just posted today on my five positives and five negatives on the game but Sean Lee was just basically saying he thinks Trayvon Diggs is gonna be a great player in this league not a not a good player but like one of the best like defenders in the league uh during the broadcast last night Al Michaels said that you know in the pre-production meetings talking to Mike McCarthy he asked him to name who some of their best players are and he named four guys and he said one of them is Trayvon Diggs now I don't know if he named four on the defense or four on the team altogether but it just was very clear that Trayvon Diggs is very high on on their list and that, you know, I know he gets challenged a lot, but like they really see big things for him. Another one of them was Dalton Schultz. On on Mike's top four or who you think played well last night? Schultz, no top four. Oh, okay. They mentioned him as well. Um, Did they really? I missed that. Yeah. Schultz has been good. I mean, Schultz, Schultz, uh, 
if you want to come back with Jarwin Schultz and Blake Bell as your tight ends. No, that's a I good heard. point. I was thinking about that. Like, hey, like you don't, I was thinking at one point you're probably going to have to draft another tight end. No, but you're right. I, that is, Schultz is showing that you could go him and Jarwin and you probably are right there. I don't have to do anything at tight end or wide receiver or quarterback. So like. What about running back? Or, boy. I miss the days when Zeke broke tackles. <laughs> I think he can be fine. I just think that. Like and again, I wrote this no, a little bit today. The, the the thing is that you just the days are gone of the we have this offensive line in Zeke and we're setting up the pass but with the run. You, the team's changed now. This is a pass first team, and then he's the second option. And and, and by and the that's way, fine. Obviously, you don't want to pay him the money you're paying him to be that. But I think he's fine in that role. Yeah, and by the way, that that is the progression of how teams go because. Just because of the lifespan of running backs, you look at what Seattle did. It was Marshawn Lynch setting up Russell Wilson. And then you look, when you when you have a running back like that, it just doesn't work out for that long. And so Marshawn Lynch got phased out. It was Russell Wilson's team. And now look at where Russell Wilson is. So I think you're absolutely right. It's just th- this is a natural progression of where NFL teams go because that's the life, that's the span of a running back. KT would just prefer that the Cowboys were paying their running backs similar to Chris Carson as opposed to what they're paying the running back. Sorry, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Go you know, the thing is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm playing this card to, to, to try to be a little positive here because let's face it, the two games before last night were really bad. So I'm trying to be a little positive. Zeke is a guy, it feels like a guy who needs structure. And structure was kind of blown out the window this year. And every team has the excuse. I'm not doing that the whole bit. All right. I under, I get it. We're all in a pandemic. But I wonder if Zeke looks more fresh, a, a little more burst, just a little quicker with a full off season underneath, uh, under a normal structure going to camp. You know, I wonder if he looks a little better than he does. Because right now he does not look like a guy who's going to go – get more than whatever's in front of him. Well, remember earlier this year we were talking about how fresh and agile he looks when he when he made, when he had that whatever it was against the Giants where he cut into cut into the middle of the field and ran to the end zone. We were all talking about how fresh Zeke looks and and how good he looks and everything and it just didn't last. I mean, that's the thing. I I just don't think that it's really in him. I think like I I think John wrote this. It's it's eight straight games without 100 yards. His long last night was 11 yards. I mean, he has yeah. no burst left, I, and I don't really know what what the deal is, but I, I don't know that there's a world of difference between what, what he's doing and what Tony Pollard is doing. Well, yeah, no, Tony Pollard doesn't make things easier on him when Tony Pollard's longest run was, I believe, 14? Yeah. Yeah, 14. And, and you, there's just a noticeable difference from the blind eye of who's got more burst and all that. So, but you know, if it's, uh, if Zeke is your, you know, your tough runner, God, he's, I've turned him into Adrian Peterson in Detroit. Uh, he, he's, he's not that he shouldn't be that. And I don't think he is yet, but it's almost kind of like, okay, well, here's our DeAndre Swift type is going to be our, uh, Tony Pollard. Um, uh, but look, Zeke is still going to be counted on, we know what they're going to do. They're going to play. I'm just the contracts happen. There's no really use in bitching about the contract. And same with Jalen. The contracts happen. And there's really no getting out of it uh, in the near future. 
So, I mean, they're a part of the thing. But I do think the, the whole point of that was tight end, wide receiver. If you want to take a running back in, like, round seven, I, I like doing things like that. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. You know, think about, like, Aaron Jones was, a, like, a sixth or seventh round pick. And Chris Carson was a late round pick. And James Conner in Pittsburgh was a late round pick. Like, you can get some of these guys who can kind of help you. But I, I prefer someone of the more bursty type, you know, uh, pass catcher type guy. Um, and I'd like to see Pollard do a little more in that regard. Um, but we'll see how they roll with that moving forward. But, okay, so running back, wide receiver, tight end, off the table. Don't need to worry about that. That helps you when you're getting ready for a draft. It would help you if I if I said I don't need to take a linebacker. And then, and you don't in a, necessarily as a premium pick, but you probably need to add another linebacker at some point. Yeah, um, well, real quick on the linebacker thing. You know, it's just another game where – Luke Gifford is inactive. It's like you're not yeah. getting anything where you thought maybe. And again, I'm not saying that I expected Luke Gifford to come in and, and eventually elevate to a starting position, but you'd think that by now, on the trajectory he he had been going, that you, he would have replaced like let's say Joe Thomas or something like that. And when you haven't even seen that, you're sitting there and you're and, and you're like, yeah, I could see them taking a, a a linebacker relatively high. If it was last year, Gifford would have played. Because I think that last coaching staff thought, thought a little more highly of him than this one does. And keep in mind, McCarthy and Joe Thomas have a history there in Green Bay uh, with Joe, Joe Thomas playing. Oh, no, it's nothing against league. Joe Thomas. It's just Joe Thomas nah. is a veteran and, and Luke Gifford's the young guy. But, and this is the way this league works. If they're trying to get the young guys in there, unless you're a guy that's like a superstar, you know. But the last staff sold us on Luke Gifford far more than this one has. Uh, now, granted, there was a preseason where you could have, you know, uh, you can actually watch him play. You can't really do that. But uh, all in all, the the subtraction of Everson Griffin, Worley, and Don Terry Poe, I'm not sure how much that had to do with the effort on defense looking better. But it was nice to say, you know, screw it. We're going Donovan Wilson's going to play. And we're going to see what we got. And all these defensive tackles, well, I mean, really, you know, the defensive tackles is really primarily Antoine Woods and, and Tyron Crawford for the most part, you know. By the uh, way, Tyron Crawford just got bullied at on some at yeah, some plays yesterday. I mean, he just got it's just like he was a non-factor in the run game. He he does all right when they're throwing the ball because the offensive linemen are trying to catch him, but when they're going at him in the run game, it is just bad. There's obviously a huge difference between defensive tackle and offensive tackle, but the issues that Tyron Crawford ha- has had with his hips and the fact that now Lyle Collins is dealing with hip issues. It just, I don't know. It's, it's not, it's not great. You know I mean? Big guys like that playing in the trenches, they need their hips. And, uh, uh, yeah, Tyrone Crawford just these last two years with his issues, he just hasn't, he hasn't been effective and, uh, yeah, it, it hasn't been good, but they're in a position where they have to they have to play him. You know, when I was mentioning earlier, KT, about the defensive tackles, and I don't know who the top defensive tackles are in this draft. I haven't even started looking into into that. But, you know, Russell Maryland is probably the last defensive tackle this team's drafted in the first round. I mean, unless you count, you know, when they took Marcus Spears, mm-hmm. you know, he ended up being more of a defensive tackle. But when they took him, he was, uh, you know, not your traditional defensive tackle. He was more of an an edge guy, but I'm just saying like, they don't really take first round defensive tackles. And so it just seems like it's such a glaring need when the running game is this bad. One of the key things to fix it is with good defensive tackle play. And so that's where I'm looking at. I don't, again, I don't know who's in this draft, but put it to, I'll put it to you this way. If this was one of those drafts where you did have like an endemic and Sue, 
that would be the guy I'd be completely focused on right now. Yeah, there's really, off the top of my head, nothing from a defensive tackle standpoint that's going to like blow you away top 10. And this is not the best year to be bad. Um, like, I mean, obviously it depends if, you're, if you need a quarterback. Maybe that changes for you because Trevor Lawrence feels like a sure thing. And you feel pretty good about Justin Fields so far, what he's been able to do. But unless you're looking – if you're looking for a defensive tackle, I'm not sure this is the draft where you're going top five, top ten. Like We've seen some guys go in the last few years. Quentin Williams has been a good good player for the Jets. Leonard Williams for the Jets a few years ago. And obviously Aaron Donald, you know, went, went to pick – I think what? Damn it, KT, you're not helping my argument when you're just pointing out well, these Jets I players. I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and people are like, I don't think we need the defensive tackle. It doesn't appear to be the answer. Well, I say defensive tackle, though, to me has been a position that that can slide a little bit for you as well. And we talk about them getting a pick, man. Let's say they're like, hey, we're we're staying with Dak. Let's say they end up with the five number five pick in the draft. I mean, dude, if someone wants to give you pick fifteen and twenty to get up to five, don't you take pick fifteen and twenty? Or do of course, you need- of course you do. But like I've mentioned before, that's that's easier said than done. I mean, believe yeah, me. Yeah, of course. The Detroit Lions were trying to get out of three bad last year, and they couldn't yeah, do no, it. There right. weren't any takers, and so they have to take Jeffrey Okuda there. So I just want people to brace for that possibility of like, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, of you course you'd like to trade back, yeah. and and you're taking Patrick Sertain or something like that. You know, like that you can't completely rule that out. Like that's a possibility. You can't just you have to have a, a taker. You have to have somebody to trade with. You can't just automatically assume. That that team wants to come up there. Oh, there's quarterbacks. That team needs a quarterback. They're going to trade you yeah. know, two first for that. That's not a guarantee. You'd if it's there, yeah, you take it though. And we saw it so crazy. We thought teams would trade up, and Tua and Herbert went at like six and seven, and we thought there'd be a window where someone might go up and make a move. And yeah, you're right. Doesn't always happen. But let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up here with uh, you know kind of just just closing thoughts. Um, uh, for me, I I'll just say I I'm happy with the effort. And uh, I've, I've softened my stance on the, you know any thoughts of this team quitting and things like that. This team tried last night, and it didn't always look like they were trying the last two weeks. And that matters. And that matters for going forward. Uh, and I know it's ugly, and Carson Wentz might have made it a lot easier to try, and Doug Peterson might have made it a lot easier to try. Because, you know, as Saad mentioned earlier, maybe they run it on you all game long or make the decision to run it all on you all game long, and you lose – 38 to nine. And then it's like, how, how hard were you trying then? You know, but they tried and that was a one score game, you know, up until pretty late into the, to the second half. So I, 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 it seems weird. Moral victories, but that's hell. That's where we are, dude. <laughs> we're, we're at the moral victory stage of the season uh, at two and six, but that that's just kind of my thoughts is I was pleased with the effort last night. Yeah, I'll say this. You know, you talk about moral victory. I was at the bank last week, and and I was standing in line, and and someone was talking about what positives came out of the Cowboys game last last week, and uh, and and with a straight face, whoever they were standing with, someone just said, "Look, Zeke didn't fumble," and and that's kind of that, hey. that, that's kind of that's kind of where things are at right now. So, uh, it's a process. You know, yeah. So I, I think no, I, I think they they showed good they showed good things. For me, I, I'm kind of dialed in right now to uh, Trayvon Diggs, to be quite honest with you. I, I'm like, I'm pretty infatuated with his performance last night. Um, I, I, I'm really going to be watching him pretty closely. I tweeted this last night as well. The Cowboys are a lot more bearable to watch if you really like pick out four or five players that you're going to watch instead of watching the whole team. 
because then it's just aggravating. But if you're just watching a few players, they're a lot more bearable to watch. And Trayvon Diggs is definitely one of those guys where, you know, I, I really want to see what he's able to do. I hope his confidence doesn't get shot um, because he's going to get beat a few times. It, he doesn't look like the kind of kid that's going to get his confidence shot like that. But, uh, but yeah, I want to see Trayvon Diggs and what he can do. And then, uh, and you know, I think the rest of the team, you know, we'll see what happens. But they did show some better fight. My biggest takeaway, and it's a really obvious one, but it's just how important it is to have a good quarterback. And I know there's not a lot of them out there, but every game now without Dak is really highlighting it. And then even just watching Carson Wentz last night, like, where's your hope if you don't have a good quarterback? Like, I, I just don't. It, it's it's kind of wild because there's 11 guys on each side of the ball and the quarterback is just one person and he only plays half the half of the game. Um, and, but just the impact it has on the rest of the team, like it it gives hope to, uh, a defense that's not good, even though he doesn't play on the defense. And, um, it just, it's been really tough to watch, uh, these last few weeks. And it really just hammers home how, if there's anybody out there that doesn't think that the Cowboys should make Dak one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, it's really just been proven for you each week. And and I don't see it changing. Um, so (laughs) Unfortunately, we have to watch eight more of these, and maybe with uh, Martin being back, maybe Andy Dalton looks a little bit better going forward, and there at least is something that's somewhat watchable. But uh, yeah, we miss we we miss watching Dak Prescott, and I think that to a certain extent, bookending a Dak Prescott on a Tony Romo, you take it for granted a little bit. And when there's bad quarterback play, there's just very very little hope of anything going forward. Good, uh, good tackle play helps as well. Terrence Steele allowed seven pressures and three sacks last night, and you know it's not good for a, a rookie quarterback to s- snap the football and then, uh, oh, I immediately got my head decapitated. Like it's just not good. But uh, hopefully, Andy Dalton uh, is on the mend, and we can have a competitive game next Sunday. I, I, I will say it's more fun when it's competitive, and I don't think the Steelers are gonna. Um, be an easy matchup for these guys. In fact, I think the Cowboys probably a ten point underdogs. Maybe I would imagine opening line would be around there, uh, and that might be generous. But uh, hey, man, it's it's where we are. At least it was a little bit of a competitive game, and we got a fifty nine yard field goal out of it last night as well. So um, we're gonna talk again later in the week. Thank you guys for uh, for your time and. Uh, thanks to everyone. Make sure you keep following John and Sod on the Athletic, cranking out some content. Uh, Sod get a little stars uh, piece coming up soon, I believe. John, obviously, have another. Uh, we'll have some Cowboys content for you throughout the week, and we'll come back on uh, Wednesday or Thursday and get you ready for the Steelers game. For our producer Kent Garrison, for Father John Mashoda, for Sod Yusuf, I'm Kevin KT Turner, and this has been another episode of About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless.